Hey everyone, Christian here today alongside with Zach Glass, uh, my co-producer on the show. Um, Zach, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what they're going to hear in today's bonus content? Yeah, today you'll be hearing the audio from our Ask the Once in Future Nerd live stream, which was held on November 17th, where Greg, Christian, and myself discussed the plot of Chapter 6. We talked about the decision-making around crafting the rescue of Nia's parents. We gave a little more information about First Snow's village, and we also talked an unordinate amount about Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, as as, as per usual. Um, but uh, in addition to our uh, always generous patrons, we had some sponsors uh, this episode. Uh, and Zach, do you want to tell everyone about our, our first sponsor? Yes. This week, the Once in Future Nerd is sponsored by A Quest of Heroes. From the number one best-selling author Morgan Rice comes the debut of a dazzling new fantasy series. With its sophisticated world-building and characterization, A Quest of Heroes, book one in the Sorcerer's Ring, is an epic tale of friends and lovers, of rivals and suitors, of knights and dragons. For fans of George R.R. R. Martin, Sarah J. Moss, Rick Riordan, and readers of The Legends of King Arthur and Merlin, Books and Movie Reviews says, The Sorcerer's Ring has all the ingredients for an instant success. Plots, counterplots, mystery, valiant knights, and blossoming relationships replete with broken hearts, deception, and betrayal. It will keep you entertained for hours and will satisfy all ages. Recommended for the permanent library of all fantasy readers. The audiobook is available on iTunes, Audible, Google Play, and elsewhere. Visit morganricebooks.com for more information. That's all we got for you right now. Uh, I will be back in the middle of the episode to talk to you uh, for a minute or so. But for now, uh, enjoy the audio from our Ask the Once and Future Nerd livestream from Book 2, Chapter 6. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Ask the Once and Future Nerd for Book 2, Chapter 6. Hello. Um, we we are live here. I'm Zach. I'm here with Gregory M. Schultz. Hey, Greg, how's it going? It's going well. Hi, Zach. And, hello. And with, with Christian T. Kelly Madera. Christian, how are you doing? Uh, I am doing good. I jumped the gun on my intro, but I'm, uh, I'm good now, here, now. How are you? Hello, everyone in the chat as well. Um, if there's any, any issues with the sound or video, uh, just let us know in the chat and we'll try to fix it. So... Welcome to the the Ask the Once and Future Nerd, as I said, for Book 2, Chapter 6. If uh, for some reason this is your first time joining us at the Once and Future Nerd, hello and welcome. But please don't start with this episode. It will be full of lots of spoilers for our recent chapter. Um, so you can go back, listen to the chapter, and then come back and join us. Um, that being said, we will be discussing Chapter 6, and we got a ton of great questions uh, from all of the social medias. So if anyone would like to participate in the next one, you could find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Reddit, on Discord. I think we have questions from all of these places this time, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, and so, if we get really good questions in the uh, YouTube chat, we sometimes stop and do those. Yeah, but diving right in... Um, we're going to talk about chapter six, and one of the main plots of chapter six was a heist involving Nia's parents. So Nia's parents were held hostage, and then mostly Nia came up with a scheme to save them. And um, the results, there were some pretty big costs uh, associated with that. So the first question we wanted to talk about, Kat on Tumblr, who I believe is in the chat as well. Hey, Kat, um, asked... Your recent chapter has a lot of emphasis on the themes of innocent bystanders and protesters being hurt. Do you know how you plan to continue to expand on that in the future? And I think this is a, a pretty important question, especially 
um, seeing some of the things going on in the world recently, I think it's a good thing to discuss. Does anyone, does Christian, do you have some thoughts about this? Um, yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, I think this was kind of one of those things sometimes, and this may make me sound stupid, um, but sometimes there are things you forget about what would be going on in a scene when you're first writing it for audio. If that, like, I'm not always picturing the whole scene in my head when I'm writing it. I'm picturing how it'll sound, but I will sometimes forget to picture uh, how it looks. And then once I start to, to go back and really think about how the sound effects are going to work, um, then I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, everything that's, that's going on in that scene and, and what is, is in that environment. Um, and so I kind of always knew, like it was part of the original idea for the scene, um, that these, these gangsters who are kind of like set up essentially by Nia that, that they were going to get shot, which in, you know, in, in some ways is, is bad enough. Um, especially for, for Nia who, you know, wouldn't want to cause any more death than is absolutely, absolutely necessary. Um, but then it, it dawned on me later that like, no, there's a crowd there too. And if this is just kind of like, a flurry of shooting um other people are going to get hurt and once we had kind of written ourselves into that it was um i mean yeah that, like that's kind of upsettingly real um if you live in the united states so it was then just trying to figure out um how to handle that with the appropriate sensitivity and, and care. Um, because I think it was, uh, fitting with our, our world and with our, our moment, um, to have, you know, and, and to place the blame squarely in the, in the lap of, um, of the elves who did not need to respond by just starting to shoot everything. Um, but also to, you know, give give that moment the the moral weight that it that it deserves i guess i'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that answers the 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 question entirely but i guess you know more broadly um i think it's going to yeah it's going to continue to be important like as the stakes get higher and as our characters try and do more and more um, it's going to be important for them to think about how their actions are affecting, you know, everyone around them. Yeah. Um, Zach, I don't know, is, how did you, you know, because you kind of, you saw that scene kind of as I, as it was being developed a little, a little bit from, uh, you know, from the out, not from the outside, but, you know, watching me write it and realize that's where we were going. I don't know how, if you wanted to to react to that. Yeah, so to be totally honest, while while this scene was in progress, I I was I feared it a little bit. Like I I I agree, I think it was the thing that needed to happen in our world, but I it's not something to take lightly, and I was 
I was I was a little uh, concerned that we can pull it off the way we wanted to and make it clear that this is not like, you know, some cavalier harming of innocence, that this is as sort of as tragic as it is was how we were, were treating it. Um, Chat points out that it was also in the Renault scene with the... Uh, I guess with the the Fisher people and the towns, the yeah. townsfolk as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah, I, I think that that was my my main take on this 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 chapter in particular is it was something. And Christian mentioned things in the U.S. right now, but as well, there's you know protesting in Hong Kong for the yeah. past three four months with you know they have you know millions of people protesting and lots of. Uh, unfortunately protesters getting hurt and it's not it's a scary time in the world and i was a little a little nervous bringing it up in the show but i think it was something we needed to do yeah um and to talk about the the renault scene for a second i mean the the i think we've talked about we talked about this from the first moment that we introduced renault of like the needle to thread with his stuff was always like how do you make him both treat him with the the ridicule he deserves while also um you know not taking lightly the danger that he represents uh and so for the for the scene with Renault you know we we thought we needed to show that there's a a cost to um the the mayor of the town kind of coddling this uh this terror that's been unleashed uh for 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 the mayor's own uh, political ends. Yeah. Greg, do you have anything you'd like to add about this? No, I thought it, it painted a good picture, uh, or I don't know, kind of like held up the mirror in a lot of ways, um, to use a, uh, oft stated metaphor, but, (laughs) um, yeah, the, I guess the, like the difference between, the Renault scene versus the, um, the, the scene at the, the race. Um, it just Renault, you almost kind of expect it from versus, and you could kind of see, um, you could kind of see how it was coming in this, this Renault kind of like tripping and tripping into, um, getting away with things quite regularly. But the the racing scene was like, okay, but th- this is almost normal from the elves, but everyone like hates it, but goes with it, and that was uh, that one also I felt like struck more of a nerve. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're definitely I, tonally different. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think part of that is uh, the theme of innocence being hurt is something that we've had. From the beginning, uh, a lot of Regan's backstory is her sister getting hurt. A lot of, uh, you know, the the whole uh, chapter where Jen stabbed the dirty cop was the the innocent children getting hurt. But this was the first time that innocence getting hurt was a result of the like the uh, the actions of our group rather than our group responding to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was that was. It's certainly something that will reverberate for the characters moving forward. It's not like they'll, yeah. they're they're not thrilled with this. I'll say, yeah. Um, 
moving forward to a slightly uh, less depressing angle of this question, Kat also asked how we put together the action scenes, um, including the writing process, the recording process, the guidelines. And this, this scene was one of the most ambitious action scenes that we've put together. Yeah, so, I, I think uh, it's probably fair to say that it was the most, from an action standpoint, it was like hands down the most ambitious. I mean, we've never done, you know, 20 straight minutes of action before. Right. So, so what was, what, what are some behind the scenes you can share about that? Um, well, you know, I think we, we kind of wanted to have a heist um, in the previous chapter or the, the plan was we did have a heist in the previous chapter when the, when the kids go to the library. Um, but the plan was always that that would kind of be um, a practice run uh, for a, a bigger heist. And we weren't entirely sure what that heist um, would look like. But but once we realized that there was this situation with uh, with Nia's parents, that seemed like the uh, the obvious candidate. Um, and so I um, I kind of approached it. I really liked writing uh, that that scene because I kind of approached it as a as a writing challenge um, because we don't we don't usually you know for like for an epic fantasy series we are our action sequences are usually um, shorter and, um, and we tend to focus a lot on um, the character work which I think is where I'm most comfortable writing oddly enough um, so this was this was an excuse. Uh, to write outside of my my comfort zone and uh, and and try something new. So there was a part of me that was just like, all right, cool. How how big can I can I make this? Um, and uh, shout out to I mean our, the performances are are always excellent across the board. Um, but the uh, the the par post team on uh, on episode four, uh, which was uh, Brielle Achterhoff cut it and Matt Boudreau uh, did the mixing and sound design. Uh, and they really knocked it out of there. You know, we we dumped like a huge new challenge in their lap, and I, I think they totally knocked it out of the park. So that was really, um, it was reward, really, really rewarding to try something a little new and intimidating and have it work out well, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Greg, how was it uh, acting in those scenes? You were doing the whole rock climbing thing, and it's, it's a pretty, <laughs> pretty physical scene. How was it from your chair? Um... It was well. First off, I was standing. Um, no, but oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> um, it was it was interesting because you you really like rather than getting into I don't know. I felt like it, I was focusing more on macro than micro, if that makes sense. Of like mm-hmm. minutia of like going through a sentence to need to set the pace and like the the set the scene for for the whole the whole kit and caboodle um and like even the climbing up that cliff uh it had to be kind of a building thing and then you, you know your grunts had to be slightly different than the other grunts because when you're really given getting like strained then it has to be like but not just the of usual times um you know to i i feel like i leaned on a lot of orcs from like warcraft 3 warcraft 2 for uh, inspiration um, but no, that was, it was, it was definitely pretty cool. Like to kind of understand the physicality and try to get that through just 
through vocal means is mm. was definitely different. Um, Something that yeah. I, I discovered when we were editing uh, this scene is that like speaking voice, I think, Greg, you and you and Garrett have very different and recognizable speaking voices. Uh, but when you're uh, mm-hmm. like straining and grunting, like your voices are are quite similar. <laughs> And so I, um, Matt and I had to kind of play with um, the panning and the equalization and stuff to make it clear because there's that key moment where Yellowine makes the decision to to save Brennan um, that is signified with like a big strain. And it's like just listening to it, it wasn't immediately obvious who was straining. So we had to make sure, okay, <laughs> Yellowine is always on this side of the sound field and Brennan is always on this side of the sound field and they're EQ'd differently so that Brennan is further away. Gotcha. Um, Chad, Chad cool. is pointing out whether this was a heist or a caper, which makes me very happy. Uh, <laughs> a lot of mileage so- out of a very dumb joke. <laughs> I, I really enjoy how much mileage we got about that joke, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. We also got a, a question from Facia on Facebook um, saying, I love that someone there is into heist movies. What's everyone's favorite? Mine is National Treasure. So I, I really liked, um, I was going to say the original, but I mean the recent original Ocean's Eleven uh-huh. was, was one that I enjoyed. How about you all? I, I like Ocean's Eleven. I think the, I still haven't seen the original Italian Job, mm. so mm. I I enjoy the 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 Mocky Mock remake. Yeah, that one is actually um, pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Definitely the idea of like stuff falling and being caught in improbable ways is like that's got the DNA of the the early 2000s Italian job in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I really like, I think The Sting is a really good heist movie, and I'm always trying to like, whenever we do a heist, I like to have um, parts of it that are like social engineering in addition to um, action and like acrobatics and stuff. Um, it's also something that I really like about... Um, the uh, uh, Liza Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch that like there's a there's a huge social engineering aspect to the heist of just you know there's the sneaking and the fighting and all that but there's also um, uh, trick just plain old tricking people mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's one of my favorite books I really enjoy Liza Locke Lamora yeah it's really fun if you like heists and you like fantasy stuff which you probably do if you're listening to this stream and you haven't read Liza Locke Lamora you should and very creative swears. Yeah. <laughs> the the one I would I will say that the heist film that I was most looking forward to and then stopped being looking forward to was Ant-Man as directed by Edgar Wright. Oh, that would have been good. With that whole thing. Um and then looking at what Edgar Wright did with Baby Driver. Yeah. Made me go like, ah, this, what this could have been. But Baby Driver has some really great like heist sequences. Yes. There's um, so much great stuff in Baby Driver. It's tough now because it has approximately 100% too much Kevin Spacey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of good stuff in Baby Driver. I want to give, in terms of like inspiration for the heist, I actually wanted to give a quick, shout out to herbie hancock um because yeah. uh the 
obviously the the score that we did for that became its own thing, but the inspiration for that is very much um, Herbie Hancock's original recording of Chame- of a Chameleon off of Headhunters, and I love the way that that song is arranged because it like it, it, the way it just builds the parts. Like first you have the synth bass, and then you have the the drums, and then you have the real bass playing high on the neck, and then you have like four different clav layers and then the horns come in and it kind of mixes and matches and that was really my inspiration of how to of doing the the score in the heist section of how to use um the different parts of the arrangement to signify different locations within our within our heist uh scene um so if you haven't listened to the uh i think it's like a 13 minute song or something but it's very <laughs> cool you should check it out it's worth it so moving moving on from the the heist subplot one of the other major subplots going on in this chapter was we continue to learn more about first snow and her community of people who the main characters would refer to as orcs and we're we're really starting to build out their um their their culture and their plot which will as you can imagine become more relevant as we move forward but we got a few questions on the the orc culture uh so we got a few similar questions so i'm just going to combine them but thank you to cat and also to sarosena on the discord um they ask what historical context are you drawing from for the relationship between the orcs and the elves um, it sounds Native American, like the Native Americans. Were there any other case studies? And also, uh, what can we tell about their way of life, their religion, and their relationship with magic? Um, well, this is something that we actually talked about a lot when we were starting to um, to, to to write these sections, and we we um, we worked with our our sensitivity reader to kind of thread a needle because I think what we were trying to do was we didn't we specifically did not want to draw any one to one parallels um with like a, a a real earth culture because then you're you're in kind of um a, a full on allegory world that i think we would have gotten too far out in front of our skis um on and also because you know the 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 quasi european cultures that we started the show with are you know, it's a mix of, um, you know, Celtic stuff and Germanic stuff and, and, and what have you. But we also didn't want it to be so broad that it's just like every non-European culture is the same. You know what I mean? Like, so you want it to be, you want the culture to be like realized and specific without being too one-to-one. Um, and so I can say that, um, first snow's specific village, um, is drawing many of its details, um, from the indigenous peoples of the, the great plains and Canadian prairies. Um, but there is, there's, there are little bits of the American Southwest and also, um, the 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 northeast um it, whereas the uh you know the 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 federation um is kind of uh inspired by like the iroquois confederacy um so 
but I will also say that like there are it's definitely not um uh what's the word I'm looking for um monolithic um over the mountains there are there are other cultures in this world that we haven't met that would be different um and yet at the same time there is a similarity to all of their different struggles because they're all being uh threatened and or oppressed by the elves in similar ways if that makes sense mm-hmm. and uh, another part of that which connects to their relationship with magic uh another reason to not be too one-to-one parallel with any real world uh, uh i guess our world culture is that we wanted the the orcs to be very uh adept and powerful with magic which to the best of our knowledge magic doesn't exist in our world right um, so we wanted specifically to sort of uh, shine a spotlight in the difference between, for all of, you know, book one and a half, the audience hears the point of view of the people of Jordan thinking that all the orcs are, you know, backward savages, whatever. And it turns out that their their power with magic is extremely more sophisticated than anything that's in the, the eastern side of the mountains, I suppose. So that was that was something we wanted to to emphasize is how how strong their magic use is. Right. And so that's why we were playing with the fun things like the the megaphones and the telegraphs and all that sort of stuff. And it's you know it's worth saying that it, you know in the way we've set up uh, Jordan, um, magic f- magic is very scientific in its functioning. Like, knowledge of magic is not terribly different from, you know, knowledge of science in the way that this this world works. And I think it's worth, you know, thinking about and pointing out, even though there's, a, to the best of our knowledge, no quote-unquote magic in our world, um, that when Europe began colonizing, you know, the scientific method was newish, you know, rationalism as a way of looking at the world was newish and but Europe was convinced that they had all the answers and a lot of things, a lot of, you know, types of knowledge and knowing that were dismissed out of hand as backwards when encountered by Europeans because they weren't arrived at, you know, explicitly by the scientific method um, turned out to be true in terms of like, you know, understanding weather patterns and, and, and certain, you know, types of medicine and, and, and all things like that. So I think it it was worth kind of exploring like ways of knowing if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Greg, do you have anything you, your, any thoughts about uh, first knows uh, village or culture, anything to discuss? Um, I think it's fascinating to see the, the world building and, and get a chance to get a glimpse at stuff beyond the mountains. Um, I, I don't, I didn't know a lot of that stuff that Christian just talked about, which was kind of cool to, <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of get the primer on. It's like, Oh, okay. This makes sense. Um, but, uh, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm very excited for where it's going to go. 
I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to say anything. Um, but yeah, try, trying to avoid spoilers for the, the upcoming chapters, which we're, we're in process on creating right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chat, chat has asked, what do first knows people call themselves? That's a very good question. Um, I think we haven't told the audience that yet. Yeah. I think we we know that they call their village uh, three bridges. Um, as to yeah, how they refer to their their culture. Yeah, we've we've not delved into that, and like I'm honestly not one hundred percent sure what is the like the foundational unit of their identity so to speak like are they a member of their village first are they a member of like some broader uh culture first um i don't think they're like members of the the federation first because i think that's a a kind of loose loose organization um but uh or at least you know, not like an an identity making um organization uh but that's a that's a really good question to explore going forward Mm -hmm. um if anyone has anything else to add about that otherwise we will we'll move on a little bit um i will say just an anecdote a a peek behind the curtain a little bit Uh on Mm -hmm. recording uh at least my lines was that it's weird to do a a voice in a show that is more or less your voice uh, as Christian kept trying to get me to do stuff without adding any kind of affectation or accent just because mm. I wasn't used to doing that in a studio. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, younger. Well, not that young. We'll just, just talk. It's like, <laughs> I was like, but I have to, I got to do a thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, I was like, is this, is this even acting? Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, it was fun to, fun to do. Um, once I figured out what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you feel like you, you found, uh, found yourself, I guess, at some point, like found I, the voice that's your voice? I think so. It was just like, all right, just relax and say, and, and, and speak, um, into, into a weird sense. Um. Which which was it was kind of cool to get to do that. It's great too because my my uh, my dad is a is a patron and um, he oh thanks, thanks Greg's dad. dad. <laughs> um, so <laughs> in that first episode where I do the voice, I was like, oh, did you did you could you tell where where I showed up? And he was like, oh no, I didn't hear it. And then he went back and he realized that because he was a patron and he was like busy for that week. He hadn't actually listened to it, but he read it in advance because of the the script that he got. Uh-huh. And there's like, Oh, I never, I, that's why I didn't hear it. I never <laughs> listened to the episode. <laughs> um, so that was fun. I was like, it's basic. It's just, I'm surprised you can't tell it's me, but okay, okay cool. Uh, that's pretty what, funny. What did I do? But yeah, I always think that Christian stands out the most when he does lines. <laughs> Which is maybe just because I've known Christian for so much longer than everyone else, but 
it always comes out to me as oh that's christian doing that line yeah you you're used to you you guys talk a lot so you hear each other you're used to hearing him on your headphones so. yeah that's true that must be it <laughs> it's also like there's a few characters where i really you know thought about what they were going that i play that i really thought about what they should sound like before you know i started recording um but there's a whole lot of like you know guards and re- like oh shit, I forgot to cast this character and I didn't (laughs) schedule anyone to come in and record it. I guess it's me. Hey all, before we continue this conversation, I want to tell you about a new podcast I'm really excited about. It's called Marvels, based on the graphic novel by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, and it's an incredible window into the Marvel Universe. The show takes place in the backdrop of the Fantastic Four's showdown with Galactus, but it follows a photographer, student, and journalist on their mission to investigate a sprawling, super-powered conspiracy. The show is written by Lauren Shippen, directed by Paul Bay, and sound designed by Misha Stanton. Um, if you don't already know those names, that is a literal dream team of fiction podcasts. I listened to this trailer, and as good as I expected it to sound with those folks behind it, it sounded even better than that. Oh, and it also stars Method Man. If you want to learn more about Marvels, go to marvelspodcast.com. And if you decide you want to give it a listen, just go to stitcherpremium.com and sign up with the code FUTURE. That'll get you a free month's trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's stitcherpremium.com, promo code FUTURE. Moving on to some not specifically plot-related questions. Um, first, I want to say there's been some really cool fan art on uh, that have been posted to us on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah. if anyone's interested in fan art, check out the check out the Twitter feed. We usually uh, retweet a bunch of it. Um, we also got one of the most flattering and terrifying forms of fan appreciation I've ever seen, and I think Greg has maybe hasn't seen this, but someone named their actual human child baby reagan and this is like i'm we're all we're so honored and uh amazed it's 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 literally like there's no words i'm kind of speechless about it so that's that's the coolest thing that i've ever heard yeah that's very cool yeah (laughs) yeah it's I know it's not at, like that it's it feels like a, a, a responsibility that I'm absolutely not ready for. I know that like <laughs> it's not, but it's like what like what if we screw up? Like what if we do a bad job writing the character going forward? And that now that I had the same <laughs> thought. And it's 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 a it's a big responsibility, I guess, but, but it's uh, also a huge congratulations honor. to baby Regan for entering the world. Yeah. And <laughs> congratulations to mom and dad. Thank you, dad, for sharing that with us. Yes, thank you yeah. for the, for the, for the, the very high honor. Yeah. 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 It's, it's That's amazing. It's, it's so cool. Um, moving, moving on from that, which is a little difficult to do. <laughs> we got a couple of questions. Um, from Joshua on Facebook and Night Brother on Reddit asking about sort of the full arc of the story about how many books there are going to be and how much of it is planned out. Um, uh, they asked about the sort of the Sanderson style versus the George R. R. Martin style. I, I would put us somewhere strongly in between those two things. Yeah. Um, so we, we have planned for four books. Um, and we know 
sort of the big broad strokes of what will happen in each of those four books, but we definitely do not have chapter by chapter, episode by episode for those yet. Yeah. Um, we typically have uh, the most detailed for, I'd say, two to three chapters in advance. And then we have these very uh, long involved writer's room meetings, which um, Greg can attest to, he's laughing right now, where we have these very uh, deep and intense discussions and arguments about the up to the tiniest minutia of detail of what will be coming up next. Yeah, which is hilarious because it'll be like 30 minute conversation about like A or B, A or B. <laughs> and then somebody will go both. And we're like, okay, yes, of course, <laughs> yeah. this opens everything. Yeah. Um, or neither, yeah. or we don't resolve or it in the, in the room. Or, or we go back four steps and just re, just forge a different path. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's a lot of fun, but <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. And uh, shout out to everyone who is involved in the writing process, by the way, Greg. Greg is one of our amazing writers. Uh, Shannon does a lot of the the writer's room and the writing for us. Rhiannon as well. Ian. Um, yeah, it's we've gotten a lot of feedback and comments that since we've expanded to this full writer's room, a lot of the writing has improved dramatically. So so you all are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I agree with that completely. As as yeah, as 100%. one of the main writers before, I completely agree that it is better now that we have more people. A hundred percent. Well, you all set out the uh, the 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 path, so we're just trying to we're just trying to do you right. <laughs> well, thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The YouTube chat points out the devils in the details, but that's where the fun stuff happens. It's true. Yeah, a hundred percent true. Yeah, I was just gonna say that like. In terms of what, what do they call it? Uh, plotters versus pantsers or whatever. Like whether you plot everything out mm. or whether you fly by the the seat of your pants or you see where it, it takes you. Like my, I love to have a general idea of where I'm going um, and know what I'm working towards because that often like um, is part of what excites me about writing something and and it helps me narrow in on like what what themes are gonna gonna emerge. Um, but I also think it's very important to like um, your characters should be psychologically realistic and consistent, as least, you know, probably even a little more so than actual humans are, um, because that's what makes uh, stories, um, you know, uh, understandable and, he's, and you know, easy to, to, to follow and what, you know, hooks you into a character. Um, so if we find we're writing, we're, if we're heading towards the outline and all of a sudden we get to the point where, oh shoot, um, a character, like we never want to have a character do something that we don't think they would do in that moment just to get where we're trying to get. Uh, and if we get to a situation where that is going to happen, um, we will either, if stuff that happened before is not already canon, we will go back and tweak it or we'll you know we'll live with the the decision that that character would realistically make yeah and in, in case it wasn't obvious from this discussion during these writing meetings a lot of things change like we're we're very very open to and expecting these writers rooms to change what's going to happen sometimes very dramatically so even if we have what we want to happen planned out, that doesn't mean it's what's going to happen. Yeah. 
Okay, moving moving on from that, we had a couple of questions about Jen's cell phone. Uh, Mr. Mukhtar on Twitter asked if it will be a plot point again. We also got a comment on Twitter saying, sometimes my only motivation to remember to plug my phone in at night is the fear that I'll wake up in a medieval fantasy land with 8% battery remaining, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah, and blamed us uh, for that fear. Um, that's that's Katie from Hug House, by the way. Uh, shout out to Hug House working on scoring magic and valence right now. Uh, very excited to, to see what happens with, uh, with valence. Um, and uh, th- thanks for... Uh, blaming us for a, uh, a an irrational fear, I guess, Katie. I, I, don't, I don't know what to, to do about that. But so, will it be a plot point again? That's that's a good question. Um, to some extent, it has it has served its purpose a little bit in sort of being a a point for Jen to start learning her abilities to manipulate electricity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it will. It to some extent we've sort of it's it's achieved its purpose and that may be enough with it, but I can't say that it will not come back again. Right. Uh, do you guys agree with this? I mean, I would say there's only so much that we can do with it because like the phone works, but there isn't like there's no 4G in Jordan, right? So <laughs> there's like you know there's only what's already on the phone, um, which is Jen's music collection. Uh, which in my mind is probably like partially the music that she was actually listening to and enjoying as a a, a sixteen year old girl in two thousand and fourteen or whenever they got they got transported. Uh, part of it we know is her dad's music that he gave her, and part of it was probably like the um, like the football like the pep rally like hype playlist that you know I imagine that their high school football program was probably such that like someone just had to plug in an iPhone to the, to the, the stadium PA for like the pep rallies and stuff. And it was probably Jen. Um, so she's probably got a bunch of like, you know, ACDC and stuff on there for that reason. Um, and I always thought that the cell phone had potential usefulness in the future. If we ever wanted to incorporate um, our world music more into uh, the show. However, we do not currently have incorporate our world music into the show money. Uh, so um, <laughs> until we do, yeah, I'm not entirely sure uh, what what else we can do with the phone. But I always thought of that as like, that's our in if we ever wanted to put more music in. That's, that is a good way to, to handle that. Yeah. I mean... Like we kind of pointed out about with the writer's room, all sorts of different stuff happens. So um, I'll leave my comment to share with the two of you after the call. Very good. <laughs> That's a little ominous. <laughs> no, just I, maybe I have an idea. Here's you have an a idea? bad idea. But... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Ooh, the chat asks, what if the orc tech was so advanced that Jen's stuff could interface with it? That's that's a very cool question. Um, not not going to not going to confirm nor deny what may be in the plans for the future, but that's a very cool question. Yeah, that um, is, that's interesting. Um, we then have a bunch of the usual fun, <sighs> silly questions to wrap up the end of the episode. Uh, 
The first question also from Kat. Thanks, Kat, for uh, stocking half of this episode's questions, but they're great questions. Um, if a certain someone on this call who likes Bruce Springsteen were to choose a Bruce Springsteen song for each of the major characters, which would you choose and why? Yeah, so I thought about this and I then started to think that like me <laughs> me describing Bruce Springsteen songs is going to be just <laughs> audio poison. Uh, so I think what I'm going to do, and thank you very much for this question, Kat. I think I'll make a Spotify playlist and I'll I'll post it on our Ooh. on our social media. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. Email email yeah. out the writers' room. See if other people have some some input. But but that's that's a fair concern for audio purposes. In in the YouTube chat, just to go back a second, uh, I think this is also Kat. Um, mentions that Jen's got all the top 40 from 2014 on her phone, including Timber by Kesha, All About That Bass by Megan Trainer, and Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, yeah. and Let It Go. Yeah, totally. That's that's very accurate. Yeah. The next question we have, uh, are, are any of you big Golden Compass fans? I should be, but I'm not, unfortunately. I just never, I just never... Big same. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. So, uh, Sarosena on Discord asked about the what what daemons each of the characters would have. I, I we may we may not have the the best group to discuss this at the <laughs> moment. Um, I I read some of Golden Compass when I was young, and then some more of it in college, and I don't know if I ever uh, finished it. Uh, unfortunately, but yeah, it's a bummer uh, that Ian is not. Ian would have been great for this. Unfortunately, yeah, Ian would have been all over that, but. Um, if anyone listening has has their own their own answers to this, please please write in and you know tweet us, Facebook us, and tell us tell us what you think. Then the next question: Could Jen use her magic powers to bend elements, such as in Avatar: The Last Airbender? And if the other characters were in Avatar: The Last Airbender, who would be a bender and who would not be a bender, and what would be their elements? So. I think from the the magic standpoint, bending elements would be difficult, but it's just a matter of momentum. So I I bet water bending and air bending are pretty easily doable. Earth earth bending may be a little tough. Fire bending is probably okay as well. So I'd say theoretically she could. And in this world, I don't think there's a default reason why someone would be an only one element bender the way most people in avatar are uh what do you all think about this yeah i mean we haven't really established like the alchemical elements as being like um uh, an extremely meaningful force in this world it's all kind of just physics so yeah i agree with you that other than like earth being the most physically difficult to bend uh i don't know why someone would would be able to like bend one element and not another other than just focusing on one like we know that nia can do some ice magic but she probably doesn't understand that on a on a you know atomic level on a molecular level well enough to realize that she could like similarly change air pressure you know Mm mm-hmm yeah. And um I think it is fair that people could have their their preferences or their ex- uh 
uh, what's it called? What what they're most experienced in, what they're most skilled at. But I don't think it would be like like a, an inherent limit the way it is in Avatar. But if if the characters were put into Avatar, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, in in the yeah. YouTube chat, Renault's talking might be airbending. <laughs> Technically, it I is. Mean, yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, because he's no longer like. He doesn't have a tongue face, basically. <laughs> so he is he is using magic to make the air, uh, like the sound waves occur. Yeah. So I think I think you're right about that. Yeah, technically, Renault is an airbender. Unfortunately, it would be interesting to put all our characters into into the Last Airbender world. Chad also points out that that Regan is a knife bender. <laughs> yeah, if there's an element, yeah. Regan's element is knife. Well, that is, I mean, so advanced earth bending is metal bending. So that's true. I like the idea uh, of Yulloween not having any bending ability, but really wishing he could. <laughs> yeah. And like sort of doing everything else as compensating for the fact that he can't bend anything. I I was imagining Yulloween, um, like, leading a movement uh, of like non-bending folks and then having a like late blooming bending ability and having to like hide it <laughs> and be like um <laughs> the the youtube chat points out going into the world of avatar people being transported to a fantasy realm i mean it's already happened once yeah <laughs> yeah it's portal fantasy inception where they just keep moving around from uh uh, from the fantasy world to fantasy world. Yeah, I was going to say that could be a fun story, but I feel like someone has done that already. <laughs> Probably. It's not to say we would never do that either. <laughs> right. Wait, teleporting between, like, different... I mean... <laughs> well, not existing properties. <laughs> I know uh, <laughs> that sounds like a show that I uh, oh, had yeah, well, yes. record lines for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is that. Uh, interest. The chat points out interesting parallels between the elves and the Fire Nation. I think the one the one thing about that is uh, the was his uh, the uncle is it Uncle Iro? He's yeah, he's right. in the Fire Nation and he's genuinely such gen- genuinely such a good dude that that I don't know if we could find the exact parallel in the elves. I mean, I guess Yulwyn is deep down a good dude but it's not it's not exactly the same well, character I mean, that would arc, be I like think. that would be like prince zuko yeah that's true not that quite lining up but it would similar yeah i like thinking about that that's fun to think about and um any listeners if you have your own thoughts on this please please write us in with that as well and with that we're 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 getting towards the end of our questions um does anyone have anything else they'd like to discuss? No, I think we had a question about um, with, why Gwen and Arlene haven't named the baby, um, which I think is an interesting question. Yeah. And it may be not necessarily spoilery, but it may it may be something that will will, will end up being addressed at some point in the plot. But I don't want to promise anything. Yeah, I, and I also think, like, again, this this also ties back to the, the problem we always have of, like, 
real world time between episodes is so much longer than in world time between episodes. Like in world time, they've only kind of had this baby for like, I don't know, maybe two weeks. Um, so it's not totally crazy to me that they would still refer to it as like, you know, the child or, or whatever. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it's a, like, I think they're probably starting to get attached enough to it that they're going to need to name it. That's my gut. That's probably true. And just because uh, the baby can be a, a tie-in, for those of you watching on the live stream, you see the the cool new artwork, which we have representing this chapter. This is uh, John Flanagan again, our official artist, made this poster for... Our, our patrons um so if you want to get in on on uh posters in the future consider checking out our patreon um john john did a really cool job with this artwork for those of you listening to the audio version it features nelson holding said baby with the the horses from the horse race and the nightmare demon in the background behind and it's a very cool looking piece of art yeah this one's this one's so cool and i love that it's got like the horse race incorporated and the the rock climbing incorporated and uh, it's just super cool yeah uh the youtube chat is still discussing <laughs> avatar the last airbender which i'm very happy with billy's basically Sokka. yeah that's i can see that i gotta watch this show one of these days huh oh you really do yeah oh. yeah every every time i see a a gif for a meme of the uncle online i really just want to rewatch it because uh-huh. he's just so he he fills me with joy okay how many, how many episodes is it how long are the episodes they're short episodes i believe they're 30 minute or 22 minute uh-huh. episodes and yeah. i think there were three seasons there were three if seasons I'm, yes three seasons um, yeah and it's you know it's for me when i was watching it and I was getting used to watching like animated shows, which usually tended to be, uh, you know, anime. Um, these don't really have much like filler, I would say. Uh-huh. Most of it is like actually character building okay. and stuff. Yeah, because I way. do remember it's- rushing home from middle school to watch Dragon Ball Z to find that the episode was just everybody powering yeah. up for the entire episode. Just- Everyone's screaming for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not this. Um, like, I think I was watching Naruto at the time because I was like, what's this show? I see it all over the internet. Let me see what's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, Chad is saying around 60 episodes, okay. 22 minutes. All um, right. All right. I know I got to get around to it. There's a lot of good TV is the trouble. There is a lot of good TV. A lot of good this TV. is true. Um, there is, I mean, they, they make some pop culture references such as the boulder is conflicted about hitting a little girl, which is just very much the rock. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I caught that. <laughs> like the, the first boulder time is no longer conflicted. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. You should watch it. Okay. Yeah. The YouTube chat all agrees. You should okay. watch it. <laughs> And with that, I think it's time to about wrap up. Uh, a chat is pointing out that there's some pretty messed up immediate genocide in that series. Okay. But, but it's still a kid's show? 
Okay. They make it work? All right, fair yeah. enough. Um, okay, so I have homework now. Yes. Uh, cool, great. Uh, <laughs> I need to watch um, a TV show, and I need to make a Spotify playlist. <laughs> I mean... We all know we do these live streams just to give you more work because yeah. you don't do enough yet. <laughs> I mean, really, you're kind of a slacker yeah, here. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Christian does absolutely everything. I don't do everything. Um, With that, though, I think that's about it for the Ask the Ones in Future Nerd for Chapter 6. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Greg and Christian, thank you for hanging out and chatting. Um, yeah. I should let everyone know we... We're expecting a few more of the cast today, but unfortunately, a lot of people are feeling under the weather. So, uh, everyone, I hope you feel better. Um, Shannon is one of the people who was feeling under the weather, but she wanted us to shout out. Um, she has a film called Three Birds, which is making its world and New York City premiere uh, this Wednesday at 8.15. Um, so, if you're in New York, uh, go check it out. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a short a- uh, at the Big Apple Film Festival. Um, I uh, I gave Shannon some notes on the script as she was was working on it, and uh, Paul, who plays Nelson, cut it. Um, so if you're if you're around, we're we're super excited for Shannon. Uh, really proud of her for her first uh, you know film premiere. And if you're around, you might want to check that out. But yeah, so. Uh, best of luck to Shannon on the debut, and I hope you feel better. Yeah. And, oh, and that, that link uh, will also be in the when this goes up on the uh, the podcast feed, all cleaned up and stuff. The link will be in the. Oh well, I guess. Mm, uh, this episode is probably going up after that, unfortunately. But um, yeah, in any case, congratulations to to Shannon. Yeah, Christian, do you know if there will be any way to watch it uh, on the internet for people not local? Uh, that's a good question. I will uh, I will ask Shannon, and if there is, then I will definitely put that in the in the show notes. Great. So we'll we'll update on that. Um, uh, for for you all here, any shout outs you want to make? Any uh, sign offs? I mean, uh, uh, left trigger, right trigger. And if you were a fan of it's it's the video game podcast I do, and then if they if you are a fan of Full Metal Bazinga, stay tuned. <laughs> oh no! Oh, is there um, is there no. news? <laughs> Not yet, but something is coming. <laughs> oh boy, uh, we're working on a spiritual successor. So, um, would you would you like to explain what is Full Metal Bazinga to those who don't know what it is we're talking uh, about? I I've I forgot the pitch that we had at like PodCon, but it, it's it was uh, it is it is uh, encapsulated it is now done. I believe it was 30 or 32 episodes in total. Um Christian did uh as mentioned before, did a a voice for it. Um it is where it it is a watch along podcast for the final season of the big bang theory a show none of us have uh watched nor want to um that turns into develops a metafiction and turns into um uh like its own fiction drama existential horror yeah i Um, know like the moment that this went like it was fun to like when i first started listening and was like oh i'm just like you know hearing my friends rag on a not great TV show. And it was like fun to listen to, you know? And then at a certain point it turned a corner where it was like, Oh no, this is legitimately effective as horror. And that was such an <laughs> yeah, impressive the, turn the, for it to the, make. 
production wise, we would watch the episode and then go hit record on a, on a, at home in front of a microphone. Um, but yeah, I think around the Thanksgiving episode, um, uh, is when it, it starts to really seep in there. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but yeah, that's it for me. Strongly recommend that everyone go check out full metal Bazinga, check out left trigger, right trigger. Um, I was just going to give a quick shout out a couple of weeks ago, Christian and I had a booth at the Podtails podcast convention in Cambridge, and it was a lot of fun. It was really awesome. We got to to meet a bunch of fans, and that was very cool. So thank you to everyone who we chatted yeah, with. Yeah, thank you to everyone who, who stopped by. That was great. And like, and um, shout out to Jeff and Alexander from In Greater Boston of uh, putting that yes. together. Is it was a greater. I, I feel like I've been corrected I, on the name of the show. I always do this. I always call it in Greater Boston, but I think that's wrong. I think it's just Greater Boston. Okay. Um, well, but shout out. They to did them. an amazing job. Yeah, this job. is the first year of the the convention, and you would you would never know it. Like it was like things that I didn't realize were sorely missing from other conventions I've been to were just like there without you having to ask like people going around with granola bars and stuff which was so helpful yeah it was it was very very cool um the the chat asks for full metal bazinga do you need to watch big bang theory as you listen no we do that for you yeah yeah absolutely not actually please don't oh see okay so i'm not just a total ding okay so in greater uh boston is their twitter handle but the show is greater boston so i'm not Okay. That um, explains it. Their Tumblr is Greater Blogston, which is very good. Um, <laughs> um, regardless of their name, they put on an incredible convention. Yeah. Um, and a great podcast. And Yes, and a great podcast. And we met a lot of really cool podcasters as well, so that was very cool. Um, and if, if no one has anything else, uh, I think it's about that time for us to be signing out. So uh, yeah. thank you, everyone in the chat, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Christian and Greg, for being here. Um, and yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks for running this. Bye. Thanks, so. Bye bye, everyone. Bye bye. Bye.